everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 89, and I'm putting on a bonus episode this week. Super excited about this conversation. This episode is with Allie Kiefer. Allie placed fifth in the New York City Marathon this past Sunday, and as soon as I read about her experience and who she was after the race, I wanted to get her on the podcast ASAP so she could share her story with all of us. So Allie had a pretty successful high school and a successful college career. She even qualified for the Olympic trials in the 10K post-college. After taking some time off, competing, not competing, doing lots of road races, traveling, taking a nannying job, and then getting back into serious training, um, Allie ran her first marathon in January of 2016. She was actually signed up to run the half marathon and realized that that field was more competitive and she could probably walk away with more prize money if she ran the full. So she ran the full that day in January of 2016, ran her first marathon in 255 very conservatively, and then a couple months later went on to break a world record doing an indoor marathon with a time of 244. You guys, she coached herself and... She ran a 2.29 marathon, coming in fifth place in New York City. So cool, so exciting. I'm so happy for her and proud of her, and I'm going to let you guys hear more about her story on the podcast. But before we continue and get talking with her, I want to thank Generation UCAN for supporting this podcast. Generation UCAN powders and bars are powered by Superstarch, and that's what gives you the energy you need with no sugar spikes and it's easy on the stomach. The super starch in Generation Yukan is the secret sauce and there's just nothing like it. I fueled with Generation Yukan before my marathon this past weekend and Meb Kafleski also fuels with Generation Yukan and he just ran his last New York City marathon, his last marathon in New York City. You guys can try samples for less than $5 plus free shipping if you just go to generationucan.com slash samples. Save an extra 15% off that with the promo code another all caps. Hey, if you guys are loving the show, I would really appreciate it if you would head over iTunes and leave me a rating and review. One of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. So that's really important. And I really appreciate everybody who has done so thus far. All right, you guys, let's enjoy this conversation with Allie. Okay, so everybody, we are talking with Allie Kiefer. So I have to tell you, Allie, after the marathon, you know, we're watching the marathon on TV all morning with my kids and my husband and, you know, watching Shalane. And then my friend Sarah Caney actually posted your story afterward. And she she said something like... um, you know, equally as incredible and inspiring as, as what Shalane did today. Um, here's Allie Kiefer, who some of us probably don't even know about. And so I read it and I was just floored. Like, I didn't know who you were and I was so excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I don't think very many people knew who I was. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here now and people know my name. It's exciting. Well, it's interesting though, because when, you know, those of us recreational runners who are, were, excited to watch the marathon and cheer everybody on. You heard of Shalane and then you knew Stephanie Bruce was running and you knew um, Kellen Taylor. And so then Allie Kiefer gets fifth place and it was like, oh my gosh, who's Allie Kiefer? Why don't we know who this woman is? 
Yeah, I don't think I did as good of a job of marketing myself as maybe the other girls did. <laughs> because I I ran the 20K and I was only a few seconds behind Stephanie Bruce in September. So I, I like going into the race, I felt like I could run with those girls. You know, I, I didn't necessarily know that I would be in front of them at the finish line, but like <laughs> I I definitely was um trying to stay with them and it was like in my mind that I you know, had the ability to beat them if I had a great day. And even if you get, you know, second or third to them, they're amazing women. So I wouldn't have been upset. But I just don't think that I've had like all of the, like they've been really consistent and I haven't been as consistent um, up until this year. So like they've had a longer time kind of to be out there and to be names like so they've become household names rather than hopefully like I'm setting myself up for that now. Yeah, so let's talk about that, though. I read, I forget what the magazine was, but I read an article where it kind of went through your history and your career. So um, I don't know if you can kind of share that with everybody. You did run in college, and then you did some post-college training with Brad Hudson and all kinds of other um, well-known, famous coaches. Um, But what kind of landed you to decide, I'm going to go ahead and train for the New York City Marathon and see what I can do? Yeah, so I just like after college um, didn't really have the resume to kind of go professional. So, and, and unfortunately, my sister was killed in a car accident when I was in college, and she left me some money. So I was able to join Brad Hudson in Colorado and run with his group, but I wasn't sponsored, so I had to pay my own way to all the races and just living expenses. And so I kind of quickly ran out of money. Um, and I made the Olympic trials in 2012 and then I got injured, didn't make it to the start line and just kind of never regained my form. So I'm from Long Island. So I moved to New York city and got a job and just kind of patted myself on the back and was like, you had a great career, you know, making it to the Olympic trials is a huge accomplishment. So you should be happy with yourself. And, and, and I tried to like live in the moment and be happy with where I'm at each step of the way. So I was, you know, I, I got my first job and I, um, remember going on my first vacation cause like as a runner, especially not making very much money as like one of the lesser professional or aspiring professional runners, you're not, you're losing money. You're not gaining money. So I couldn't afford a vacation. And the first time I went, I had a vacation, like my two week vacation from work and, um, I had no friends yet cause I was new to the city really. And I went alone to Europe for two weeks. So, um, I, I just kind of was like living up life. And then I decided that in, I was kind of lonely in New York city. I wasn't, I had some friends in college that I hung out with, but like not very many and, you know, other people, had, um, other friends. So I started running as a hobby and, um, and I was working, so I'd meet a friend before work and and go for runs. And that kind of escalated to, like, he, I joined his running group. And then I made a few friends from the group. And then um, I got a little more serious and kind of was running with the guys of the group. And, um, and then they were doing a lot of speed, and that doesn't usually work for me. So I switched groups and started running with Sarah Cummings, who had run a 234, I think, in um, – Boston Marathon and for her coach and then I did that for a little while and I got hurt and like 
that wasn't really working, although it was really fun. And so then I called Steve Magnus up and asked him if he would coach me, and he was nice enough to give me a chance. And we tried that, and and the, the training was great from all the coaches, to be honest. It's just that it was just like everyone else, and it was really hard to to I couldn't train like a professional and be and work sixty hours a week in New York City. Like wow. it just yeah, it was like too much. So I I think that those coaches kind of are used to working with professional athletes and like, well, why didn't you get a massage this week? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have money for a massage. I'm like hustling hard in New York City, you know? So um so there's just like nothing nothing really was working for me. And at that point, like the fire was kind of lit. So I really wanted to, I really wanted to like keep doing it. And to be honest, I thought that my best races were in the past. Like I did not think I would be setting PRs. Um, But 2016, everyone was training for the Olympic trials. And I thought, well, I can just, you know, make some prize money when everyone's doing all the Olympic trials races or like then track season people that would have tried to get money on the roads were doing track races to qualify for the Olympic trials. And so I, um, cause my boyfriend and I were living apart and we wanted to move in together and we, ha- we were both going to quit our jobs and take a vacation and then find a new job somewhere else. So I was trying to save enough money to be able to quit my job for a few months and still have money for a vacation. So I just basically went like around the country running. I ran I got run the indoor marathon in March, and then next weekend I ran a half marathon. <laughs> so tell me this: that when you did that indoor marathon, the two forty four, was that this year or last year? It was last year, two thousand sixteen. Okay, and was that just months after you did? Because we'll talk about this: your first marathon when you did the two fifty five. Yeah, in Miami. That was the same year. Okay, so that was January two thousand sixteen, and then a couple months later, you did the two forty four. Yeah. Well, I know that people don't normally do that stuff, like two marathons so close together, but I wasn't training for a marathon. And I signed up for both races really late, like especially Miami, because I went. Um, yeah. Tell us that story. It's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I um, was living in New York and I, like my boyfriend and I flew down to Miami and we just they wanted to have a nice weekend and, you know, make a little bit of money. Um, and I thought that, you know, I could get like first or second and a half marathon because everyone was doing LA for the trials and I would kind of be, you know, it wouldn't be like the best girls in the country. And, uh, it turns out that it was like three weeks before the race. So there were actually some of the best girls in the country that showed up for the race for a tune up. And so I went to the technical meeting, like I was in heels. I think we had bought like Madonna tickets cause she was in Miami that weekend and we were going to go to her concert and I, there were so many good people at the technical meeting. So I asked the race director, like, how many of these people are doing the half marathon? And it was basically everyone. And so I was like, can I still switch to the marathon? Like, <laughs> oh, sorry about the phone. That's okay. Um, I was like, what's the prize money for that? And they said it was double. So at, at the very last minute, I switched to the marathon. And we didn't go to the concert. And so was the concert supposed to be the night before? Yes. Okay. (laughs) You're just going to go to the concert and then race a half marathon in the morning. No big deal. Well, you know, go with the flow. It's going to be fun. Like, you know, it was a little bit exciting to be in Miami. Yeah. And, and, um, 
I like it's again living in the moment. You totally. know, it's, if there's, I feel like if there's so much pressure that you have to perform and and you can't like do the other things you want to do, then I'm not going to perform well. Yeah. I need to. I want to be happy. Um. So. I had no idea what I was doing for a marathon. Like I definitely hadn't trained for a marathon and I hadn't taken any goose before the race. Like I, I've never taken goose in practice before and I didn't have any goose. And so I just like, I got to the race, the warm up was, we got there late. So the warm up was running from the car to the start line. And I just figured I'd go out pretty slow because I was worried about hitting the wall, mm-hmm. you know, and like, um, I got to the first aid station and I was like, Oh, where are the goos? Like I literally stopped and I was like, Hey, like I need a goo now. And they were like, what's goo? Was like, you know, but like the stuff that you like squeeze when you're running and you eat it and it's fuel. And I must've stayed there for like 15, 20 seconds before I realized like they don't have goo. They don't even know what goo is. <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was pretty unprepared. But that it ended up working out fine. I um, got the leaders like towards the end of the race. So did you ever find any goo? Like, did you take any at all? Yeah. Okay. So somebody I, had I, it. I, some on the course. Yeah, I can't tell you how many. I feel like it was two or three packets, rather than like I I was hoping to get some like earlier in the race. Yeah. But um, it, it was fine. It worked out. So you finished in 255. Was that, I mean, going into it, obviously you weren't training for the full, you were training for the half. Was that, I mean, were you even thinking about time or were you just kind of thinking, I'm going to try to win this race? Yeah, I, I was only thinking about time because of like, what can other people do? Like, how slow can I start? Like, I, my idea in my head was go as slow as you possibly can to win. Mm, yeah. So did you because, have your eyes set on the girls ahead of you? I mean, when did you take the lead? Um, I feel like it was like around mile 20 or so, but I d- couldn't see them for a long, long time. And, and the, they had a biker next to me and I felt like he had told me at one point, like they're way too far ahead. Like you're not going to catch up. Um, but when I did catch up, it was very quick. Like they were definitely fading and, and I was just starting to like rev the engine. So no, he had no idea how fast you really were and that you had signed up for the half and you were just kind of seeing what, you know, what you were made of in that first half, just kind of to get to the second half. Um, so then, so then you did the indoor marathon a couple months later and you ran the 244, you set a world record for indoor marathon time, right? Right. Were you, I mean, to run that fast around a track inside, I mean... Tell me yeah. about yeah. Tell me about that. So that was the same strategy. That one I signed up a little bit earlier. I had, it was a few days before the race, but I had one. I was coaching one of the guys who ran the relay, and he said that he had heard there are no girls signed up for the race, and the prize money was just if you set the world record. Like if you win the race and set the world record, you get all the money. If you get second place, you get nothing. And I figured I could. I think the world record was two fifty one. And so, or 253 or something. It was a couple minutes off what I did in Miami. So I was thinking, like, this is, this is, like, going to be the easiest money I win. Because I have no competition. I just have to run a couple minutes faster. So I'll just go out. Like, I went out very slow in Miami, so I'll go out slightly faster. The same mentality, like, run as slow as you possibly need to to get the world record. And then, like probably halfway through I got pretty excited it was I know people think of it like how could you mentally handle 211 laps on a track 
but it was really fun and exciting. They had music and they were announcing everything. And the, you know, there weren't huge crowds, but the crowd at the armory track is like right at the track. So you feel like you can touch them, you know? Um, and everyone, they had like free drinks and food. So people stuck around and, and were pretty fun to be around. So that one went really well too. And I at least knew I could take the goose and I, I brought my own and <laughs> we had water whenever we wanted it. Cause you, you went around every 200 meters, you could have another water. So it was good. So then, so at this point you're self-coached, right? Yes. Yeah. So at this point I basically, I was coaching myself, uh, into, and like the, the winter of 2015. So like right before the Miami kind of days, I, um, had a guy that I was coaching who was getting pretty fast and I just couldn't keep up with him anymore. Like I was like, what I do when I coach people in person is I meet them once a week to do one of their workouts with them. And like they get to do the rest of the work on their own. And but I, mean, I talk to them, I just only do one of their workouts. And so I realized by doing just one of his workouts, like I wasn't able to, he was getting better, like much quicker than I was. And so I really wasn't able to push him at the end of the workout for, and then I really couldn't help him as much as I wanted to. So I started training a lot more and doing more of his workouts at the very end of 2015. Uh, so he's really the reason that I did, was able to do Miami and the world record marathon. And what's his name? Edward Hartman. Okay. Very cool. Um, so then after you did all that, you ran the 244, you probably knew, wow, I, probably have a pretty successful career in me and marathoning if I, if I really want to do this. Um, how did it catapult to the Nike, the moon, is it the moon, uh, what's it called? Moonshot. Moonshot. How did that catapult to the moonshot program and then deciding that you want to be on the, one of the marathon major stages? Yeah. So that's funny because I got back from, I remember that I was working nannying in New York City and I was working for a really nice family. And I, when I got back from Miami, they were like, oh, my God, like, you switched the last minute. We're so impressed. Like, you're a marathoner. And then after the world record, you know, they're kind of the same thing. Like, she bought me a little running outfit, which Aww. was really cute. And just, like, they're like, you're clearly a marathoner. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, you know, I'm a 10 care. You know, like, I still, it hadn't switched in my mind. Like I uh, feel like I made the Olympic trials in the 10K and I, I think that the time that I'd run in the 10K was still more impressive than the 2.44. So in my mind, like I wasn't a marathoner really. Um, and so, so then when I, I did spring, like this 2017, I did like, I made the national championships in the 10K and I, I ran the world standard in the 10K, I ran 32.09 on the track. So and I was right off Chilean Flanagan in that race, um, not at nationals, but it, at Portland Track Festival where we both qualified for nationals. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, like, once again, that kind of solidified to me that I'm a marathoner. I mean, I'm a 10K runner, uh-huh. not a marathoner. And so then, then afterwards, I got um, a call from New York Roadrunners who said, you know, we'd like to have you at the race. And at the time, I was trying to come up with a plan for – how to put myself in the best position to get to 2019 so I could put, I could maybe like get onto the world championships team for the 10K, you know, because I'm still thinking I'm a 10K runner. And I was thinking, you know, if I do over distance, 
this season and in the spring I train for like a 5k then I have a big training block like next fall and into the spring for the 10k like that would be perfect if I wanted to be a 10k runner right like you do over distance you do under distance and then you combine them for your 10k training and um so I figured I could do indoor track and or the marathon and the marathon made sense because uh, New York Runners called, and then right around the same time, Nike called because I'm I'm lived in New York City, and I've now since moved away to Buffalo. Um, but I think some of the guys at Nike still thought I lived in New York City, and so they called and they said, "Hey, we're doing this Moonshot project, and it's based off of Breaking Two, so we're going to give like some resources in the city that would help you be able to train for the, the New York the New York Marathon." And I was like, this sounds amazing. I definitely want to be part of it. What are we doing to set this up in Buffalo? Because that's where I live. And they made it happen. And so, um, I, I mean, to me, that's like a huge opportunity because they paid for some massages and strength and actually even sent me food. Like, I got a food delivered to my house so I didn't have to make dinner every night. Like, it made doing all of the work for this marathon so much easier. So... Like I, there's no way I could turn down both opportunities of being part of the Moon Trap Project and the marathon. Now, were you working at that point? I quit working in the spring after I hit the world standard. I was I was really not having that much fun at work, and I was thinking like, you know, I really need to give this running thing another shot because that like this spring was the first time that I set a new personal best since 2012. Hmm. So. I finally was like, maybe all of the best races in my life aren't behind me. Maybe they're in front of me. So then you had that opportunity. I mean, you had you had coaching, nutrition, uh, massage, and they set you up with like shoes and apparel and all that good stuff. And you had money saved to like live your life and pay your rent or whatever. Yeah, luckily my boyfriend's been incredibly supportive because I did not have any money saved. Okay. <laughs> so, no, like I, I um. Yeah, I would not be at the position I am now if it wasn't for him. Because he was, I think it's hard for a significant other to be like, oh, yes, go run and don't make any money. <laughs> like, maybe it will work out and you can pat yourself on the back and maybe you won't. You know, like, we take a lot of time away from our significant others to run. And it's a strain, like, on, I would imagine any relationship because. We, you know, we went through Europe and hiked for two months last year. And now I'm like, oh, you want to go hiking? Great. Take the dogs because I don't want to take them for a walk. Like, I'm really tired. I ran 20 miles this morning. Right? So, like, it's not ideal for a relationship probably. But he's been amazing and, and helping support us. So I don't really have to contribute monetarily in the same way because I just, there's, I couldn't. I couldn't have quit my job and still helped out. Well, and that's something that should be talked about too, is that athletes like you that are good enough, but you don't have the resources to do what you did without, you know, the moonshot project project, because, you know, you have athletes that are making it big and they can really just put everything into it because that's their career. But you were, you know, you had to sacrifice a lot and so did your boyfriend. Yeah, really much. Because I guess like it didn't, it doesn't really feel like a sacrifice to me. Because now I look at all the accolades I get now, but no one's talking about my boyfriend. And he's really the one that's still sacrificing, right? Yeah. So I um, yeah, need to give him more of a pat on the back because he's been quite amazing. But 
to go along your what you're talking about um, of like developing the countries like next best marathoners or 10k runners, you know, because I was trying to do that in 2012, but there really at that point there really weren't as many resources I feel like as there are now because people coming out of college now still have more of an opportunity to join a group. Um, there are a lot of I feel like there are a lot of groups popping up around the country, yet where I was in college like I think I was a good college runner but I was never all American so I, I still don't know if those companies and groups would have looked at me and gave me a chance you know so it is a hard um it's a hard field to continue with if you haven't been a superstar yet on the other hand like if I had been in if I liked was a soccer player or a football player if a team didn't pick me up then you don't get picked up at 30 years old you know now I I still have that opportunity where I can still run for a company because I got the chance to still be on the same starting line as Shalane Flanagan and Mary Katani, you know, and that's not, not how it works in other sports. And isn't that inspiring that, okay, you're 30. Well, Shalane's 36 and she just won the New York city marathon, you know? Yeah. Well, from that angle for sure, because I still feel like there's a lot, there's a lot more I can do. Like when I think of my own, the training I did or, you know, just like the lack of training maybe because I talked to a lot of other women out there. And, and I think as I progress um, in training myself, I learn a lot more about like how you should, all the different elements that go into it. And there's always like a key workout. And so I know like some people did a like 15 miles at marathon pace. Some people do 18 miles at marathon pace before the marathon, you know, um, for the 10K, I, after the season, I heard that it's like eight by a mile at race pace. And and I had, didn't do all of those, like, I didn't do any of those runs before the race day. So um, I feel like at this point, I'm like, there's so much more I can give because I didn't do all the things that everyone else did. Like, maybe I didn't put all the pieces together perfectly. Like, I'm, I think I'm, obviously, I think I'm doing pretty well, but it's I'm still on the learning curve where... I hope that I'm getting better each time I go out there. So, yeah, you posted your training on Twitter. I did, yeah. Okay, so tell me this then because, um, yeah, I recently <laughs> – I did not run a 229 marathon, but I recently ran a marathon myself, and I hear a lot of people saying they do 15 miles at marathon pace, 16 miles at marathon pace in their 20-mile mm. long runs, and I did not get there this time. So it did kind of like – gave me a little bit of my confidence was lacking a little bit. So right. what was one of your biggest workouts like that? So, you know, I can't say that I had, like, I had a lot of good workouts. I'd say my, probably my best one was I ran a 20 miles. Um, and I did the first, I did, so I warmed up a mile. Then I ran 10 miles at 620 per mile pace. And then the next 10 were from 550 to 537 like, or something. It's on there. So the exact like time. Oh sure, yeah, on, around there. What you posted? And I did, yeah, a mile cool down. So it was it ended up being a twenty-two mile run, but I averaged like five fifty-five. I think it was for the twenty miles. What What was your average pace? What for the two twenty-nine? For five forty-three. Okay, and your average pace on that run? What did you say it was again? Five fifty-five. Okay, so that's pretty fast for twenty miles. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And like one of the things that um, I know I need to do is run this a slower pace. So mm -hmm. like on your easy uh, runs, 
No, like the, um, a lot of people, I think, especially recreational runners, I think focus on like running their, the goal marathon piece or faster. Uh And I need that 20 miler. That's like a little bit slower. Okay. I see what you're saying. Like more of like a steady state. That's pretty fast, but not even not touching your actual marathon pace. Right. That is like the, my golden ticket. I think if I make sure I have those kind of runs, like I ran that particular 20 mile run was an, um, mostly flat. Like I did a loop course where it's mostly flat and I can pick up my bottles. So I practice my feeling at the same time. And then the next week, I would do the hilly course. And so I ran another like big workout. I did 24 miles and it was like 1600 feet elevation gain. It was a, a lot of hills. Um, and it's, it was a, like significantly slower. It was more or closer to 630s that, that run. But um, I think you need that side of it because you can't focus on one angle of there's so much th- training you can do that is faster than marathon pace. You know, like a lot of intervals, a lot of shorter tempos. And just for me, at any distance, I need, like for the 10K, you know, I did a 10-mile tempo, a 8-mile tempo that was, you know, still fast, but I need to come from the, the angle of something that's a little bit slower than the pace you want to run in the race. Well, and so let's talk about the race because, I mean, New York is hilly. I don't... I don't want to run that race because it's so, <laughs> I well a I don't want to run it because of logistics and just it seems like a crazy nightmare you know for for us Joe schmoes out there but um, man I'm a I don't I live in Indiana and it's so flat here and the race so I ran a race on Saturday before you the Monumental Marathon and it's just I mean it is pancake flat. Um, I Huh? Oh, I did good. Yeah, I had a good race for sure. I I had taken a fall the week before carrying my son down the stairs. So like my body was pretty stiff. But um, actually, the interview that I did before this one that went out last week was with Dina Castor. And she gave me so much good mental advice to take with me. And I seriously carried it with me every step of that marathon. Oh, that's great. Because yeah. I feel like that is a game changer. Oh, it's a game changer. Because I honestly felt like crap the entire race but I just kept telling myself like my body's prepared and my mind can steer this ship and I can run fast I can keep picking it up it's just um a matter of willing myself to do it um but anyway when I finished the race and I was thinking about those moments of weakness I had on the very tiny hills that I mean (laughs) miniature like you wouldn't consider them a hill most people wouldn't um I was thinking about you guys at New York because man that course is tough and Um, I kind of want to hear about the race. So you, so I'm like live tweeting this from my house, watching the women. I don't, I don't hardly pay attention to the men at all. Of course I wanted to see Meb. Um, but, uh, it seemed like the women, the lead women were going out pretty slow. I mean, they were like 116 something through the half and you were kind of Mm -hmm. right off them, weren't you? Yeah. Which was my plan. But Okay. So tell me about that. Tell me about your plan. Yeah. Okay. So I like to kind of like go out conservative and reel people in as I progress throughout the race. And so my sister kind of taught me the ways of running when I was just getting into the sport and she used to say, pick them off like cherries. And so for most of my races, like on the track, I'm in the last place, the first few laps, my mom always gets so scared. (laughs) um, So I knew that 
and then, like I, I knew that at some point they would make a move and I just didn't want to ever even be enticed to like try to go with that and, or go too fast and get in no man's land. So, um, I decided that I was going to go out with Beverly Ramos for like, I wanted to do the first really half with her. Um, and so we picked like a, you know, we both kind of were on the same page of where, what we wanted to run the first several miles. And, um, and we went out together and the group did run really slow. So they gapped me at about mile two, I want to say, but they really weren't going that much faster. Like they were, they were almost like two arm lengths away. I was like, yeah. this seems silly that I'm running, you know, right behind them. But it's, I kept thinking like at some point they're going to make your, their move and you're still not going to want to go with them. So then you're in the same position yet now you were part of the pack and now you're moving backwards, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. what do you what like mental, like the same thing. I feel like Dina Castro talks about like, how do you put yourself in a, a better mental position? So I said, no, I like you're, you're running well, like just, just go here and never even think about feeling like you're falling back off the pack. Like you're going to move forward. And so, um, you know, it went like that. They kind of like, increased a little bit on me through Brooklyn. So they made the the gap a little bit wider, but I really wasn't that far back. I never felt like I was out of it. And I, I thought that I would be like, I came up with numbers in my head and I had my family like subway around the city so that they could tell me at different points, like how far away the next American was. Um, because I, I wanted to reel them in at the end of the race. You know, most marathons, people kind of, the wheels come off at some point. And you, I, I thought that if I could go out conservative, even even just even split the race, you know, I will reel them in a little bit and hopefully catch them. And so we got to, through Brooklyn, I was feeling really good. And I could still see the group. And coming like over the bridge at mile 15, we're almost in Manhattan. And, and I saw like Stephanie Bruce and Diana Curry weren't that far away. And I, and the, the whole pack really, I could still see. Mm. And I was like, why are they running so slow? What mile is that by the way? It's mile 15. Oh, that's so what you said. Okay. Like 15 and a half, we get our water bottles, which is you're on the bridge for that. So, um, and like, I feel like, 15 to 18 like you start you get in Manhattan and you're going running up First Avenue and the crowds are crazy and people kind of like the runners in the race take it a you know like push a lot at mm-hmm. that point so um I really I mean I think a lot of people go with the idea like make it a 10k race not a full marathon so get to mile 20 feeling good and then run a 10k um and so that that was you know my plan too and and I got to mile 19 feeling that way, like still feeling really good. And yet I was like with the pack when I thought that I could be a couple minutes off going into Central Park because I, I studied the like, time splits from years past to see where like the Americans and what, what pace they were running at the end of the race. And a lot of people had run seven-minute miles at the end. Wow. So I figured, you know, if I can make it into Central Park and be two minutes back, I can still catch them. And I was not that far back. I was maybe 20 seconds back. I'm not really sure. I have, haven't looked now. Um, so, and I just kept like picking people off, which is always really exciting and gives you a boost in its own. Um, 
And so I got, you know, maybe like eighth place and I could, could see the four of them in front of me and they weren't that far. And I, I don't necessarily usually think I'm like the toughest person mentally at the end of the race. Like I sort of feel like I settle or, um, I'll be running with someone and they're breathing a lot harder. And I'm like, how are you even here? Like, <laughs> I, know. I, I would have dropped out by now, but, <laughs> but, um, I, I, I was, you know, I was happy. Like I'm, I'm in eighth place. Like I'm, this is far exceeding my expectations. So like, you know, just don't let anyone else pass you. Like that's just stay right here. This is great. Um, yet I was focusing on, on if you are passing someone, like send a strong message that you are going to fly by them. So they don't even have a chance to come back. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you go to pass someone in a race and a lot of times people put up a fight for good reason. They want to beat you. And I didn't want anyone to be given that opportunity to maybe come with me. So it's kind of surging if I was passing someone. Okay. Um, and then I'd never looked back. So I didn't know if anyone was really close behind me or not. And, um, I think that kind of allowed me to catch up to the like Kellen Taylor and the couple international girls in front of her because I was thinking like you can't slow down like someone could be right on your footsteps and um yeah and then they were with like in striking distance at when we you know got back into Central Park so it's right less less than 800 meters to the finish line and I, I feel like I just timed it right so I would I could get up the hill. I was a little afraid about getting up that last one. Um, and, and it worked out magnificently. When did yeah. you pass the last person that you passed? It was in the last couple of hundred meters. Oh, really? Yeah. See, you know what? That stinks for us TV watchers watching the marathon because we didn't see that. Or at least I didn't see it because, you know, Shalane finishes. They do the top three and then it moves to like, what are they doing after the race? And then you guys are all coming in. And I didn't see that. Yeah, I know. That's what I heard. My parents didn't see it either. Apparently, I had them try to go a little too far. So they actually didn't end up seeing the finish line either. Oh, man. So were they tracking you, though? Did they know when you've crossed? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they were all split up in different places. So, <laughs> they, when was What place were you in when the last time they saw you was? Mom, what place was I in the last place you saw me? No, that was at 90. Oh. And I was so excited. I was trying to get the camera ready. I can't be sure. Okay, I'm saying the Oh, she said she said eighth or ninth. She said that she's too excited. She didn't even count the places. Oh my gosh, that is so <laughs> cute. So when you passed like Helen and Stephanie Bruce, like when you pass people that are like your fellow Americans, mm-hmm. do you? I mean, did you just? Do you still pass them like you would pass any other competitor, head down? Like oh surgery? god, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've looked at their training. And they were in really good shape. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, like, we're all competitors and we want to beat each other. But I also, you know, I, I look up to them. Yeah. And I think they're great. So to be to beat them is, like, an honor to me. So I definitely didn't want them coming back. So, yeah, I treated them like everyone else. I mean, I didn't – those are the only people I really knew. I don't – the girl who got sixth place, I think, is a duathlete. Like, I don't – I don't sit around and like look everybody up before the race and yeah. see what everyone's accomplished because I think that can be scary. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually feel like I, I definitely feel like New York City was my best race in my life, but I would say the second best race. Um, 
I took like 30 seconds off a 3K. And it was my first international race. We ran in Scotland. And and um, I didn't know anyone who was on the start line. So like sometimes it's the less you know, the better you can do because you talk yourself out of being able to run with those people. Mm. And so, you know, like the mental, I'm sure what Dina Castor said to you. Yeah. You, know, you, you can definitely like sell yourself short. So if you just don't even give yourself an opportunity to do that sometimes it's better okay everybody i want to take a quick break and tell you about a couple sponsors who are supporting this podcast that i would love for you to know about finally stylish high performance compression socks for women lily trotter's compression socks are marathon strong and designer inspired you get fit comfort and style whether you're running a marathon or a mile Made in the USA, I love that. Lily Trotter's compression socks are the perfect gift for the runner, traveler, expectant mom, you name it. Or just treat yourself. I know a bunch of you guys just ran a marathon, right? Or are running a marathon this fall. That is excuse enough to treat yourself. You guys can use the code ANOTHER, all caps, to get 25% off your order. That's a big discount. Head over to lilytrotters.com slash discount slash another and save 25% off your order when you use the promo code another. You guys, the links for that will be on my website, lindsayhine.com in the show notes of this episode. I also want to thank Zappos for supporting this podcast. You guys know that Zappos has fast and free shipping and they're everyone's first choice for shoes, clothing, accessories, and essentials for men, women, and kids. They have one over 1,000 trusted brands like Nike, Adidas, Brooks, Asics, and New Balance. And they have a run-specific site now. They have super cute athleisure and clothes that are specific for running. So you guys can go to zappos.com running to learn more. And the link to that will be in the show notes as well. All right, you guys, thank you for checking out Lily Trotters and checking out Zappos. Thank you to both of those wonderful companies for supporting this podcast. When you guys support sponsors of this show, you are directly supporting this show as well. So I appreciate you guys checking them out. All right. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Allie. You know, like I've, um, I've kind of agree thought about this. Like, so it used to think like, how do I become a better athlete? Like what training am I going to do to become better? Right. And now I, I read um, Ben Bergeron's book, Chasing Excellence. And he's actually a CrossFit coach, but he talks about making better CrossFit athletes as this pyramid. And so the base is the character. It's like the type of person you are, Mm. which I wouldn't have thought of before, you know, like, and then secondly, he talks about nutrition and being healthy because you can't be really fast or really strong unless you're healthy, right? And, and so then the next thing is training. And then the next thing is strategy. And so instead of only focusing on the training and the strategy, which I think a lot of us like to talk about and think about, and I started this year, you know, putting the character blocks down. So on the days like I, I get to run, I don't have to run. Mm-hmm. Just like framing the entire mentality. That's so good. Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot. Uh, my 18 miles, I was feeling like crap, and I just kept smiling. I was like, you feel bad, but smile. Now, speaking of that, did you ever feel bad in the race? Like, obviously, it was hard, and you were hurting, but did you ever feel, you know, sometimes you get that hopeless feeling like, uh-oh, what have I gotten myself into? 
Yeah, no, no, I didn't feel that way. I definitely felt tired. You know, the last two miles were definitely a grind, but I, I felt great the entire way. Um, I was struggling coming into the race because I had a bit of tendonitis leading up to it. And so, like, everything went perfect for eight weeks. And then about four and a half weeks before the race, I, I ran in shoes that were a little too small. They were new um, shoes, and I think I just gave Nike the wrong size. And I did that 24-mile run, and I woke up the next day, and, like, my toe was black, and mm. I couldn't, couldn't run. Um, there's just, like, a lot of pain in my right calf. And I had to, like, taper a lot after that because it was really just too – it was – I probably could have pushed through it and run, but on the mental side, like, I, it was not fun anymore, and it was really hurting me to do. So, like, I, I, was, I used to run all of my runs in the training runs in the morning, and I was kind of pushing the runs, like, later and later in the day, like, how late could I go out because I just didn't even want to go out and be in pain. Um, and my boyfriend definitely, like, talked me off the ledge – you know, of calling my parents and being like, don't even come to the race. But um, I forget what your question was. <laughs> um, oh, I know. Well, we, we had started with, um, had you felt like, did you ever feel bad in the race? Yeah. So I never felt bad. I was just holding back. I think I didn't feel bad because I held back early because I was concerned that I wasn't going to make it all the way through the race with the tendonitis. Yeah. I feel like you have this really good outlook on running. I mean, it's just like even hearing you talk about when you were going to go race that half in Miami and you were going to, was it Lady Gaga the night before? Yeah, it was similar to that. Madonna. Madonna. Yeah. We didn't end up going. You know, I actually even brought fraudulent tickets. I got like an email from Ticketmaster being like, these are the wrong tickets. Oh, gosh. It never Uh, worked out, which is fate probably. Yeah, but it's like... I have Lady Gaga on my mind because she was just here in town. That's why I was thinking Lady oh. Gaga. I guess I guess she, we could compare her to Madonna in a way. But I just like, I feel like a lot of people, and this is even recreational runners, um, just they take themselves too seriously. And not to say that you shouldn't, especially at the level that you're at, but, you know, the fact that you had that tendonitis and instead of pushing through it, you were like, um, I'm going to, this isn't fun anymore. I'm going to let myself heal. How do you think that outlook affects your racing? Well, I think it definitely helps me because, you know, I think of like the pressure and I used to feel a lot of pressure going into races and I have to achieve this or that or I'm a failure. And now I think of it as like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. You know, if I finish in a slow time, like, oh, my boyfriend still loves me. My parents still love me. Like I still get to celebrate with all my friends because the marathon is a huge achievement just in itself. You know, and um, I, I don't lose anything that I have. So it, there's nothing that could happen that would deter me from wanting to give it a try and wanting to give it my best. And I think that that allows me to do it in like with a happy attitude. Um, like when I was in trying to really make it in 2012, I think I felt a bit entitled. And like, oh, I made the Olympic trials, like I deserve a contract, right? And then I didn't get a contract, so I'm frustrated that I don't have what I feel like I deserve. Mm-hmm. And that leads to like taking the fun away from just enjoying the process of getting to be out there. Like not very many people get that opportunity twice in a life. 
You know, like I've now get it twice. Like how lucky am I? And that's my new attitude, right? So I feel like that allows me to run probably better, but really I'm not as focused on, okay, clearly I want to run well, but like the, the outcome and the result, like doesn't, doesn't impact my life in my mind as much as like the process of what I'm doing. Like I'm getting to have fun and I, now I get to run for a, as a job and like hopefully, you know, I made some money on Sunday. So contribute to our, our life. And like, that is all part of what I want to be doing and want to set myself up for in the future instead of like, why didn't I get more from Nike? Why didn't I like, you know, get all of these things that I deserve. Like, I'm not so entitled anymore, and I think that's an important change. Do you think that comes with age? Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah. Probably, and I, I listen to a lot of Rich Roll podcasts. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And I think he's awesome, and I love him, and I feel like he kind of speaks about the same thing, about, like, feeling very entitled, and, you know, it's been um, hard for him to change and think, like, oh, I get to do this. And so I think um, also my boyfriend is, like, a huge person who has shaped the change a bit. You know, he's, like, a very grateful person. And um, even just, like, last year we took got to take this great trip to Europe and we spent two months backpacking through Europe. And, um, and my family was, like, you worked so hard. Like, you deserve it. We're, like, so proud of you for, like, doing this for yourself. And his family – said, you know, you guys are lucky you have this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I worked for this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I've been running around the country for this opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and he kind of explained where they were coming from. Like, yeah, other people in other places work for the opportunity and never get it, right? They work for the opportunity and they can barely still pay rent. So we are lucky. We are fortunate. What a good family to be a part of. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think when you think about it in terms of like, I get to do this and, you know, we think about our health and things like that, it really puts it into perspective. I want to, we'll finish with the marathon stuff, but I want to talk to you a little bit about, I know you've talked about body type and struggling with um, things like that in the past Mm -hmm. or what did somebody say? I read something where you considered yourself a bigger runner can you kind of talk on those experiences and how you deal with that now? Yeah. So when I, I went to college and, um, my, like, I think a lot of, um, coaches kind of press the idea of maybe dropping a few pounds mm-hmm. <laughs> or like not getting that freshman 15. And, um, I was, I was never one of like the really teeny tiny, Runner, like I think a lot of the girls coming to entering college kind of are still girls and not women. Mm-hmm. And I was probably looking more like a woman. Um, and so she probably wanted my coach at the time probably wanted me to lose a few pounds and um, thought that that would be like result in you know, faster times. And I just think that the, the message is sent the wrong way. And I feel like Lauren Fleshman brought this up before, like we need to, to change the message we're sending to girls and that, um, really there's a a high number of really, really talented girls who go to college and don't achieve much. And because 
you know, it's a frustrating to become a woman. Like it's a hard process to go through and still run a lot and put a lot of effort and uh, emotion into it. And so, cause you don't see some of those results as your body's kind of changing. And I saw this with a lot of my teammates is that, um, it, like we were just told the wrong message and, and I kind of, I just don't have the, I'm never going to be uh, a person that like under eats. It's just, I just, maybe this is not my DNA. Like mm-hmm. I think I get that message and I'm like, don't worry, I'll eat for everyone. I will take it. <laughs> like, where are the brownies? <laughs> so, but you know, definitely you get, you hear that message too many times and it starts messing with your head and you under eat thinking you're going to get faster and really fast is healthy. Like fast is happy. We're not sending that message to girls. We're sending the message to eat fewer calories. Mm. Uh, and, and I've been in that place where I've like been like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to eat X number of calories. And, you know, now I think I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to eat as many nutrients as possible. Mm. Like how can I get the most plants on my plate? Right. Like, so I, just hope that that can, the positive message continues and that people will stop sending the negative message because I even saw one person like post a picture of me and, and from the marathon and say, you don't have to look like a marathoner to run like one. Hmm. Like, no, I think actually the thing that you're wrong about is that like, that's what a marathoner looks like. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like, I, I know that I don't have as low of a body fat uh, as Mary Katani, but <laughs> maybe that I actually am, like, I got better and better as I went through that race. I don't know who would ever actually say that, like, I don't, I, I shouldn't look like a marathoner. Like, that is, that is what a marathoner looks like. I'm strong. I looked strong that entire race. So that's the image that we should be going for and not, we should not be striving for super, super thin because people are not making it all the way through the marathon. They're making it to mile 20, right? Like I think the whole image of what maybe most people think a marathoner looks like is wrong. Totally. That's yeah, totally. Do you, so at 30 and as someone who finished fifth place at the New York city marathon, did that comment phase you or did it empower you to say what you just said right there? No, it definitely empowers, empowers me. Like, I don't, I, I feel pity for people that feel the, that way. I don't, I don't feel attacked or hurt by it, you know? I just think that we've been told so many times the wrong message. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. That's what's out there. And that's what I think, like, these girls that are impressionable here, like, I feel bad. And I hope that as a, a group of, like, strong, because I think there are a lot of strong, like, fantastically amazing looking women out there that we can send the right message to these women. You are an amazing role model for that. So that's something to be proud of for sure. Thank you. Do you, um, you know, you mentioned your sister, um, killed in a car accident, your junior year of college. Yes. What did that teach you about living without regret? Oof, man. Uh, (laughs) yeah. So, well, I mean, at first, I think I spoke about this a little bit, like, I kind of wanted to, like, you know, live her life and be the way she was, and um, my sister was 
very strong women and very, I think very cool, but just like in a different way than most people think cool is like, mm-hmm. she like, you know, uh, she died when she was 23 and she'd been to six of the seven continents and backpacked through Southeast Asia before it was cool and stuff like that. So she, I feel like she was like a trend center in my mind. I mean, she was spunky and like she used to say in high school, um, like, don't be a conformist sheep and be like everyone else. Mm. <laughs> like I remember one of the popular girls came over and she hosed her down because she didn't like the popular girls. And of course I was trying to be popular. This <laughs> <laughs> did not get me any points. <laughs> so um, I think that like she was a, just a really amazing person and that I looked up to her so much that when she died, like I wanted to like live her legacy mm. and and that was, um, it's not like, it's not who I am, right? Like I can, maybe I'm cool and fun, but like in a completely different way. And that it took me, it took me a while to like, kind of, I guess, get back to that. Like I, I know I wasn't as dedicated to running immediately after. And, um, I just didn't do all the things that make me, me probably. And so now I've been able to kind of get back t- to me and, and like, do the things I love and know that like she's you know looking down happy that I'm living my life and that she would be proud of me living my life and that um that I do live without regrets like you know <laughs> if you they're just um I would never like I would go to the Lady Gaga or the Madonna concert because that is living in that moment you know, and like, we, we only get these opportunities once. And, and maybe I feel like the thing is what happened is like, I did that too much in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because I thought that like, we could leave this earth at any second of the day. Mm-hmm. And now I've kind of relaxed a little bit on that. You know, so I definitely, I kind of live without regrets in uh, a bigger scheme. Like, I would say quitting my job in the spring was an example of that. You know, like, I'm not happy in this, like, so I'm going to do the thing I'm happy with. And there really was no monetary, like, you should do this. You know, a lot of people, I think, need someone to tell them or money to show them that whatever, that, like, there's some sign that this is the right thing. And that, uh, unfortunately, losing her taught me that I don't need any of that to know, like, to go by my heart. Man, that is deep and special. And, I mean... The fact that she's the one that got you started running. Yeah. You know, well, that, that'll that always be every time you run, you know, you're, you have a piece of her with you. Yeah. You feel that? Yeah, definitely special. And like the, the whole way she uh, taught me to run is pretty mm. special, I feel like, because I think it really works. Did you feel like when you finished New York that you kind of like, I mean, were you thinking about her at all in the race? Like, did you kind of feel like, okay, she taught me how to do that. Like I picked those people off, pick the cherries off. Is that what you said she taught you? Yeah, I'd pick them off like cherries. Um, I definitely like think about that mentality a lot. Yeah. But um, I, I, I try not to like think about her too much bef- during the race. And like, I know a lot of the videos came out, not sure you saw that, but it was, to me, it was pretty emotional. Mm-hmm. So like I get, I get pretty, I still get teary-eyed when I watch the video. Like I think it's great. And uh, pulls in like my heartstrings, and and I wanted to kind of be in the zone and not be crying out there for the race. So. Yeah, <laughs> start crying at mile twenty-five. 
Yeah, so definitely, like, I mean, I know she's given me a lot of gifts and opportunities because I probably wouldn't have gotten into running without her. So I definitely think of her in that way. Just I kind of try to zone that out during the race. Totally. Um, well, I'm not really sure how to quite move on from that because it's such a, a you know, I'm sure an emotional still thing to talk about. Um, but let's talk about New York before we wrap up one last okay. time. Tell me what the celebration was like. Oh, well, it's still going on. Well, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't like that crazy, but I mean, I went to the, um, the whole, like the, all the pro athletes went to a dinner after the race and then we gave some medals that evening to the final finishers of the marathon, which was really fun. And, um, Oh, I saw those videos. You were doing that too. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. it. I mean, I didn't even know they did that, but that's it. I, it seemed like a really fun idea and we went out there and I don't know what I was thinking. Like, Oh, these people are going to be so happy to like see us give their medal. And we've been out there for eight hours. Shoot. They've got to be delirious. Like, right. Right. I mean, I can't imagine being on my feet for eight hours. So uh, like, you, you know, like one of the women, like I, I caught at the end and it was like, I should have expected that, you know, like these people are so tired. <laughs> it is 10 PM at night. Like they're exhausted. And so, um, it was nice to be able to, to give them their medals. And I'm, I'm sure they're like happy today, but I'm not sure if they knew like what we were doing at the end of the race. Like who are all these people (laughs) in my way? I'm like sitting right at the finish line and they were like, you know, want to fall to the ground. So, so yeah, but it was really fun. It was nice to be a part of and, and see, you know, I think that's one of my favorite things about the sport is that we we're all running that same course in the same race. And um, so it was nice to be at the end for people. I know how special that was. Probably just as special for you guys as it was for them, though, for sure. Yeah, it was really nice. And I realized that if I don't sit down, then I can keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the getting up part that's a problem. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. Well, I always end the podcast with some fun end of end of the show questions. So, okay. Uh, but I do want to ask, are, are you like just waiting for sponsors to knock down your door? Well, you know what? That's funny. Cause I was just saying to like my family last night, like, you know, I don't think they're going to knock on my door. I think I need to call them. Oh, okay. You know, like, you know, did they know I'm here? Like, do they know where I live? Like, how are they going to knock on my door? I think most people have an agent and the agent reaches out to the companies or has the contact. So I'm not exactly sure how it works. You know, um, I guess I feel like. I could get a contract and get the chance to line up at another world marathon major and have all the resources in the world and not place as high as I did on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I don't really want to let this one go too soon and jump on the train of like, Oh, what's the money I'm going to get for this? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm still on Long Island. I'd like to go back to Buffalo and celebrate with my friends and all the guys that helped me get to the start line there. And um, just like kind of, let things happen naturally and not try to like push into, I need a contract right now because there's a lot to sort through and figure out. Like I'm not even sure what my next race is going to be. Like, I'm not sure that I've decided that I'm just a marathoner, not a 10 K runner. I don't know if I should be one or the other. Like there's just, um, a lot to think about, I think. And I, I'm doing less thinking and more, you know, hanging out with family and friends and, and celebrating still. So yeah, it's good. It's your, it's your, um, 
life, it's your balance, you know, like you enjoy the running and the racing and all that, but you're giving yourself some, some time to breathe and have some balance. And that's something that a lot of people should really strive for and look up to. So when you say the guys though, are those, are those guys that you trained with? Yes. So there's a group called checkers in Buffalo Okay. and they basically like, I, um, went to one of their runs, like one of their workouts, probably back in August. And since then, like they've done a lot of workouts with me. You know, and sometimes none of them were training for a marathon. So, like the the day I did that twenty mile run, that was pretty fast. Like one of them met me for the last ten miles because your like my whole twenty mile run may not work for anyone, but they they were really nice about being flexible and able to like we could figure out what's a workout that works for both of us, right? And like um, there's a a few. A bunch of guys like I did some easy runs with them. I did some hard workout, like a lot of my hard workouts with them, and everyone was really flexible at both ends. So it worked out hopefully for everyone. So, um, and we touched on this, but were you who was coaching you through this marathon? Did you do that? Did you put together your training? Yes, I put together my training. But yeah, that's so cool. To a lot of people and ask them advice. Okay, lots of you crowdsource lots of questions yeah. and yes, <laughs> that's so cool though that you can own that. Like you trained yourself. Yeah, that's yeah, so yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Okay, go ahead. No, just like I've tried a lot of other coaches and this seems to be working. So um, I really ask a lot of questions and will take any advice people have. That uh, I don't. I mean, it's working. Why well, change it now? Yeah, totally. Okay, so what's one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? Yeah. So I'd really like to be a college coach someday. So I'm hoping that I can be a volunteer assistant with the university of Buffalo because I've talked to their coach, Vicki Mitchell and asked her a lot of questions and advice and she's helped me out a lot. So I'm hoping to, uh, to continue learning from her. Yeah. I mean, you say I just self coach myself to a 229 marathon. Can you <laughs> hire me? Um, that's yeah. awesome. That's so fun. Um, what, if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? I think it's the one about, um, you know, being healthy. Yeah. That what we talked about earlier. Cause I feel like that's just an, a conversation that needs to be changed. Um, if you could have coffee or cocktail with anybody fun, who would it be? Anybody fun? Who would it be? Well, I'd really like to meet Kipchoge. Do I know who that is? Yeah, the the Breaking Two Project. I didn't recognize the name. Say say the name. K- Kipchoge. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that, that name. Am I, I pronouncing it right? It's his last name. I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna put myself out there and just say I don't recognize that name right now. Oh, okay. Well, he's the guy that ran the two hours twenty five seconds. Okay. Okay. In the in, in the Breaking the, Two Project. And, and he is Nike all project. about the mental side. Okay. Like, yeah. Where's he from? Now, uh, Kenya. Okay. Yeah. Man, how do you even attempt that? That is insane. I know, right? Yeah. It's because of his mental abilities. Yeah. I think you could get that done. Like, I feel like you could accomplish that goal of meeting him and having coffee or cocktail with him. Yeah. Unfortunately, he was at the marathon and I just, uh, I just, I didn't go to one of the events because I was saving my legs for the race. But um, hopefully in the future, I'd like to meet him. Do you do you drink alcohol during your training? Um, like I, I I don't really say no. Like you can't have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely like I just didn't. It wasn't like a main focus. I didn't drink very much at all. Maybe like t- 
two or three times actually in the entire buildup. But um, I guess it's not a big part of my life right now anyway. Yeah. So it's not something that I was like, oh, you can't have that. It was more like I just don't really want that. Yeah, it's almost like when you're physically exhausting your body so much. I mean, it's not similar to being pregnant, but I always, when I'm, like, <laughs> when I'm training really hard for something and I'm just exhausted at the end of the day, the last thing that sounds good to me is alcohol. And it's and the same thing with being pregnant. Like at the end of the day, I'm just like, oh, I just want to go to bed. Like I don't, that doesn't even sound good to me. It's like your body like tells you that that's not need, needed to be part of your life right now. Right, right. And even the celebration hasn't been like about alcohol. It's just been about sharing it with family and friends. Do you drink coffee? Yes, I love coffee. You drink it. Did you drink it before the race? Yes. I drink I drank uh Four Sigmatic, their their like magic mushroom coffee. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're an amazing company that is like uh makes these all these different like elixirs and coffee and um they have a bunch of different magic mushrooms that are completely legal to have and not like not actually, you know, drug mushrooms. Um that they're like holistic and healthy for you. And they all have these like different properties that give different benefits. Okay, wait, so are the mushrooms in the coffee? Yes. Okay, what's it called? Four Sigmatic. Okay, interesting. I'll have to look it up. Um yeah. Okay, well, speaking of that then, that might have been one of your things. What are you loving these days? Yeah, so um, I got this sweet Nike jacket. It's actually just called, like, Nike Women's Down Jacket. Okay. Um, it's purple. It's, like, really shiny. It's beautiful, and it's super warm, and I live in Buffalo, so that's nice. Man, everybody's going to be running to get one now. You're welcome, Nike. <laughs> well, thank you, Nike. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you, Nike. And, and now everybody that's listening is going to be going to, I'm going to put this links to this in the show notes and everybody's okay, going to be go awesome. click on the link and check it out. Okay. What's the best, most recent book you've read? So I think the one I talked about earlier, the chasing excellence by Ben Bergeron. Okay. Have that on my notes. Do you watch TV? Um, I watched some Netflix at the end of like the last couple of weeks. What did you watch? What do you watch? Um, I watched, um, what were the shows? One of them was super funny. Oh, Shameless. Oh yeah, I've I've a season behind, but I'm. Uh yeah, be be ready for that show because it's oh, not totally. <laughs> it's a uh, definitely probably rated R. Well, don't you think? Like, I feel like there's just too much sex in that show. Like, it's a good show, but like, <laughs> in in the, so, the sex is necessary for the storylines at some points. But sometimes I'm just like do you really need that scene? Like I'm uncomfortable yeah. and I'm just sitting next to my husband right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, it definitely makes you feel good about yourself though, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. I'm just like, I, I think that you could do like half of those scenes and it would still get the point across and it would still be a really good show. And, um, is it William H. Macy? Am I saying his name right? Oh, I don't know any actors. Well, um, the maid, the dad. Yeah, I don't know his name. Yeah. Well, anyway, he the dad is just like, he's a phenomenal character and just a really great actor. Ridiculous. Yeah. They're so crazy. Yeah. Okay, Allie. Well, I really appreciate you doing this so quickly. I'm so excited to get this out to everybody to listen to. I know that so many people are just, you're probably getting so many people Googling your name and just like, who is this girl? What's going on? Yeah, it's been crazy. I've been trying to keep up with everything because I feel like, you know, I want to respond to people and, um, and it's, I mean, it's been really exciting. It's just like a lot to keep up with. And 
thankfully I haven't been, I've been like living on cloud, cloud nine. So I haven't slept very much. So I've, Poor, poor boyfriend I'm like responding to messages all night oh and sure because like, I feel like as soon as I send something out like I get something back from people so I can't like keep up with everything and yeah. I'm keeping him up all night too but no it's it's been great I mean um I, I love sharing the story and the process and everything so I'm happy to be a part of this I appreciate you reaching out to me yeah, you probably have major adrenaline going. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and um I'm going to get try to get this out tomorrow and kind of surprise everybody. I normally I drop my shows on Fridays, um but I'm doing a bonus episode this week just because of you. So I'm super excited. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um all right, well enjoy the rest of your time and and enjoy celebrating and enjoying, you know, that huge accomplishment. Okay, thanks so much. Okay, bye Allie. Bye. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Allie, for coming on the show. We are all rooting for you. We are super excited about what's in store for you in the coming days, weeks, months, years. I want to thank my sponsors for this podcast episode. Once again, Generation You Can. You guys can check them out and get 15% off your order. If you go to generationyoucan.com slash another, use the promo code another, all caps, for 15% off. And I also want to thank Lily Trotters. You guys, go check out this company, lilytrotters.com slash discount slash another, and use the promo code another, all caps, for 25% off. I also want to thank Zappos for supporting this episode of the podcast. You guys can follow me on Instagram, lindsayhine626. You can follow me on Twitter, at lindsayhine, and you can find me on Facebook, I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine, where we have a group there as well. You can also find bonus content for me on my Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. I release bonus episodes for all supporters of the show. This week, I'm recording an episode with Kim Hoban, and that will be released on Sunday. All right, you guys, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Friday. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.